Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Turning your Bibles today uh, to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 31. We're going to conclude our series today, and then we're going to go into our next one, which um, I'm pretty excited about. And uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I want to encourage you to be here uh, through the month of June and get challenged by the word. I had, uh, can I share with you a fatherly moment that took place this last week? Is that okay? It doesn't matter if you say no because I got the mic. So um, this last week I had a moment with my 10-year-old daughter. And uh, we have a lot of moments in my house, but this one kind of stuck out to me. And I was thinking about it as uh, we were worshiping today. And I know some of you out there thinking, what, you weren't thinking about Jesus as you were worshiping? And yes, I was. But this thought just came to me about this last week. And, and uh, my oldest daughter, 10 years old, she lost two teeth this week. And uh, one of them, man, it was, it was persistent. It took a while for it to come out. Um, so the first one comes out. And uh, although she does not believe in the, uh, the tooth fairy, come on, how many know your kids know how to work it for money, right? And so she still wanted to put it underneath her pillow. And, and uh, Josh over here, he's like 20, and he's still, I don't know why you're losing teeth, buddy, but he's still, he's still putting them under his pillow. And, um, and so she fell asleep, and I was about ready to go to bed, and I remembered, wait, i got to put money under the pillow. So I, I snuck in, put the dollar under there, and, and uh, took away the tooth. And uh, the next morning, she woke up, and she comes out, and she's like, hi, oh, I got a dollar from the tooth fairy. And I'm like, great, you know. And um, so then she lost another one a couple days later, and, uh, and I totally forgot to put the dollar under the pillow, okay? Shut up, like, honestly. And so I totally forgot to put the dollar under the pillow. And uh, so the next, I mean, totally forgot. So the next morning, uh, she was getting dressed, and I walked by, and she was kind of moving slow. And I'm like, baby, what's going on? And uh, she was like, the tooth fairy didn't come last night, and just looks right at me. And uh, I'm like, I'll tell mom, all right? Uh, she just looks right at me, and I'm like, are you sure? No, I'm pretty sure. No, Dad, the tooth's still in. No, baby, it's not under there. I'm pretty sure the tooth fairy come. And so I'm looking, you know, filling through my pocket trying to find something, hoping it's not a 20, right? And I pull out a $1 bill, right? And so I, I pull out something. I don't know what it is yet. And I go, are you sure, you know? And I, I put it underneath the pillow. And I'm like, and I pull out the tooth. And I was like, no, no, here it is, you know? And I know she doesn't believe in the tooth fairy. But it was just one of those moments she looks at it and she just smiles. She goes, Dad, you know? But something hit me at that moment while that was taking place because I thought about, you know what, I feel, I feel like I'm a pretty good dad. I feel like I'm a pretty good father and, and that I do my best to, to take care of my family and take care of my kids. But at that moment, come on, dad failed. But I started thinking about this. I started thinking about, you know what, God has never, ever failed me. There has not been one moment in my life where I've had to sit there and say, God, where are you at? God, you you forgot about me. You forgot about the dot. Listen to me. God even cares about the little itty-bitty things that you think he doesn't care about. And I was just so overwhelmed with God's just grace. Because even in the moments where I think that God forgot about me, um, God had something better planned for me. And although it might not have happened right in the time that I thought it should have happened, man, God comes through in, in the best timing ever. And I don't know who that's for today. But before we get into the word, I just want you to know something. God never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never forgets about you. And and I don't know who needs to hear that today, but I want you to know something. God has your back, and he's got great plans for you. And uh, and it's going to be amazing uh, when when he does what he's about to do for your life. If you want to receive that, just say amen. Proverbs 31, 
Um, we're going to get into it today. Uh, we, we started this uh, off four weeks ago, and we began to look at the, the, the words that uh, apparently this king, his mom, wrote to him, and we looked at the first part, and we talked about men. And uh, we talked about how men, we need to do something in order to see Proverbs 31 women. Now, we're looking at this not just challenging the women. If you've been here with our series, this isn't like, hey, women, you need to blah, 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 blah. You need to get up in the morning and, you know, make linen clothes for your children, okay? What's wrong with you, you know? We're not, you know, using this and going after the women saying, hey, women do this, women do Because here's the thing. It might very much be written about specifically women, um, but we can look at it and say, you know what, we're the bride of Christ, and this is written to the church. And as the church, we need to look at what we're being challenged with here, and we need to rise up, and we need to respond to that challenge. Verses 10 through 12 talk about her worth, and so we, we covered that, and we talked about her worth. My wife did an amazing message. Once again, if you missed it, uh, go back online and check out that message. I think it was probably one of the best ones of the series. Everyone said amen. I'm scoring points. You guys need to help me get points right now. Come on. I think my wife's message was the best one of the series. Yeah. Told you, babe. Uh, verses 13 through 24 talk about her, her works. And we talked about that last week. Uh, and, and then today, I want to cover uh, real quickly these last two thoughts. Verses 25 through 26 talk about her words. And verses 27 through 31 talk about her witness. And we might not cover those in order, but we're just going to kind of look at those today uh, before we head to the bay. Come on, don't you love living in San Diego? I mean, it's so amazing. Proverbs 31, starting in verse 1. We're going to read the whole thing through for the last time together here. Verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. It's a good mommy. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night. We've been pausing on that one. And all the men said, Amen. She rises while it is yet night. Someone's feeling that over there. I got to mm, praise him. Where did we leave off? Oh, yeah. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the staff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, 
for all her household lives in San Diego. Come on, somebody. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers uh, sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on their tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, your word would just communicate something to our life, that we would walk out of here, whether we're a woman, whether we're a man, we're all the church, and we would walk out of here challenged, we'd walk out of here encouraged, and we would walk out of here more in love with you. Uh, Lord, we just lift up, uh, this, or just join with me, church, as we remember those that have given their lives for our country. God, we, uh, I just pray that every one of us would take a moment this weekend uh, to not just have a day off, to not just barbecue and have picnics, but I pray we would truly take some time uh, and remember why we can do what we're doing today, the freedom that we have, because people have given their life for this sake. So God, we just lift up of all of the, the military wives that have lost husbands in war. And God, we pray that you'd be their strength this weekend. Um, God, others that have lost sons and daughters and moms and dads, that, that you would strengthen them, encourage them, and let a nation remember in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. The last part of Proverbs talks about her witness and her words. It talks about her words first, then her witness. But I want to I reverse that just for a minute because I want to spend some time on the words portion of Proverbs 31. But it breaks it down and it talks about this woman's witness. Now, if you've been tracking with us this far, uh, you know that this is a picture of a pretty amazing person and really a pretty amazing church that Jesus Christ is coming back for. That this paints uh, a woman who is willing to work with her hands and doesn't look at, at menial tasks as menial, but looks at it as something she needs to do and she needs to get done. And as the church, we need to look at all areas of the church and realize that some are our are, are hands, some are feet, some are ears, some are eyes, but together we make up the body of Christ. And when we realize that our part is essential and important, we can get a job done for the kingdom of God. Amen? And so here's this woman, and it paints this picture how amazing she is and all these things she does. And, and then it begins to get into her witness. Now, here's something you need to understand. If you're truly the church of Jesus Christ, if you're truly the bride of Christ that, that Jesus is coming back for, that, that pure spotless bride, come on, word is out in the streets. There's something different about you, right? Have you ever been in a work setting or a school setting or, or just in your neighborhood and, and people are in conversation with you and, and they say, man, there's just something different about you and, and different about, about your family. That's a good thing, by the way, okay? That, that's a really good thing. And, and what makes us different is this, is that we are working as the church of Jesus Christ and we understand that, that what we do is different from the rest of the world. This woman is very different and because of that, she has witnesses that speak to the fact that she's a really amazing person. Let's look at some of her witnesses. The first one that we'll look at real quick is her children. Three witnesses that we see in scriptures: her children, her husband, and her works. Her works. Her children rise up in the morning and call her blessed. They praise her. They're like, Mom, you are amazing. Okay? 
This is not something that they are just trained or taught to do by their father. Hey, you need to get over there and tell your mom how amazing she is. It's Mother's Day. Come on, get over there, right? It's her birthday. Come on, let's do something special. We got to really let... This is something they do automatically because they've observed this woman. This is pretty, pretty phenomenal. See, it's one thing to, to train your kids or to tell your kids to go do something, but when your kids start saying stuff to you, not because you've told them to, but because they've observed your life, that's pretty powerful. Are you with me? The same is true of the church, by the way. It's pretty amazing when people look at the church, and it really bothers me sometimes when I hear people talking about the church in a negative way. They don't bother me. What bothers me is the fact that the church has given people an opportunity to talk about them negatively. Well, it's quiet now. Okay. This woman has lived this out. She's walked this out so much so that her children are a witness to how amazing she is. Listen to me. You can tell a lot by a parent by looking at the children. You can tell a lot. Now listen to me. I know that occasionally there's always that one black sheep in the family. All right? Let's just be honest, right? Okay? And some of you might want to own up to that. That, that was you. Okay? In my family, it was reversed. There, I, have, I, have, I have three older brothers. There's four of us, and there was only one white sheep in the family. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where you went wrong, Mom. <laughs> we'll talk later, you know. Um, you, know every, you know, obviously you're going to have, you know, you can do your best as a parent. But listen, you can tell a lot about a parent by their children. You can tell what kind of a parent there is when you observe their child if their child acts spoiled. Or if their child walks around like they own the place. Okay? Now listen, I was a pastor's kid. Okay? I've been in ministry for a long time. And I've seen pastors' kids, okay? And I have, me and my wife have vowed, and I hate to say this like this, but we've vowed we are not going to allow our kids to become pastors' kids, okay? Now, if you're a PK out there, I'm not speaking to something I don't know. I was a PK. I was a pastor's kid, okay? But listen to me, okay? I give you church authority. Now, listen to me. Let my, now, here's the other thing, though. You can't put a demand on them because they're the pastor's kids, you shouldn't be doing that. You're the pastor's kid. Because I will kick you. <laughs> all right? No, my kid is a kid. All right? And, and, and I, I, I just happen to be a pastor, and I'm, I'm, I'm their parent. Okay? I'm their dad. Okay? But on the flip side of that, if my kid starts walking around like they own the joint, somebody tell me. Somebody tell me, okay, and, and we'll, we'll deal with that, right? Because you can tell a lot about parents by looking at their kids. I mean, all of us sitting in this place right now as I'm talking about it, if you're a parent, right now you're thinking about, yep, uh, yep. You're thinking about a specific kid right now, probably named Johnny. Okay, just kidding. I didn't mean to offend any Johnnies in here, but. Right, you're thinking about something. I, I know we've had friends in the past that we loved hanging out with them until they had kids. Because their kids were terrors, right? And I kind of felt bad because it's kind of like our relationship went like this. And they're like, why don't we hang out anymore? I'll give you two reasons. I won't name their kids, but <laughs> you can tell a lot, okay? You can tell a lot about this woman by her children. The, the second witness is this, her husband. Her husband. This is powerful. Her husband calls her blessed. Like he is stoked to have her for his wife. I mean, this is a real, like, he's like, boom. Like, he testifies the fact that she's amazing. Now, this is great because in Proverbs 12, 4, it talks about how a wife is the crown 
of her husband. Okay? Apparently this husband, man, is stoked to have this woman as a crown, and he's just like wearing it. Now listen to me. That's important because, man, the head and the mind represent so much in Scripture. And she sits there, and he is proud that no matter where he goes, she can be seen. Man, he's, he's stoked about it. This is one of her witnesses. It's powerful. So, so powerful is this thought that in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 3, 11, it talks about the qualifications of overseers. And one of the qualifications of an overseer is having a wife that knows how to behave. I could just put it simply, okay? If you want to be a pastor in a church, if you want to be an overseer in a church, if you want to be an elder, a deacon, like the Bible calls them, listen to me. Uh, not only, dude, do you need to have some stuff in order, but we're going to take a look at your wife. Why? Because she sits on the head. And if she's messed up, well. Her works. I love this one. I get the first two because uh, your children can speak, right? They can pick up on your behaviors. Uh, I love the next one, the man, because he can speak, he can talk, you know, he can communicate. How amazing. But check this one out. Her works are a testimony to how awesome she is. Now, if you just go back and you look at all the things this woman does, I mean, she's pretty impressive, right? I mean, she's, she's, she's busy doing stuff that blesses her household. She gets to work. She knows how to get things done. She finds areas that she can pitch in at the home and say, okay, how can I help raise the children in a, in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, in a way that's pleasing to the husband? Okay, the kids are off to school. Okay, my husband's off to work. What can I do to, man, just make sure that my home is in order? And she's giving herself to these things. And because of that, her works praise her. Listen to me. This is not a woman sitting at home watching soap operas. Someone's checking that off their list. Well, won't do that tomorrow. Okay. This is not a woman that dresses up in some, you know, petite little workout outfit and goes to the gym while her husband's at work and flirts with people. Okay. This is not a desperate housewife. Are you with me? Okay. This is, this is not a woman that, that just is like, oh, I'm going to lunch with my friends today. Now, go to lunch with your friends, okay? But, man, make sure that you are taking care of the home. This is a woman that's busy, and because she's doing all of these things, because she finds ways to please the Lord, finds ways to please her husband, finds ways to please her children, but not only that, if you look at the scripture, finds ways to please others around her, because of that, her works go before her and speak on her behalf. That's amazing. I mean, you just know where this woman's been, because, wow, that got done, that got done, that happened. Oh, there must have been a Proverbs 31 woman here, Right? Her works praise her. This is powerful. Now, and now let me just do this. We can just dial this in here and just talk about the church for a minute. Because doesn't the Bible say in Matthew 5, 16 that they'll see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven? Maybe, just maybe, if we want more people to glorify our Father in heaven, maybe we should do less talking and more working. You're thinking about the potluck, aren't you? Yeah, someone left their crock pot plugged in at home, and they're like, is it going to be ready? The Bible says a lot about works. 
to the degree that the world will see the church's works and the works will testify of the church how amazing the bride of Christ is and they will look and they'll say, wow, and they'll begin to praise Jesus. That's powerful. That's powerful. But yet at the same time, it's a little bit of a sad thought because then we got to just rewind from it and say, wait a second, if there's not enough people praising God, turning to God right now, maybe we need to do a little more work. And I really feel like the church, as a church, we do need to do a little more work. As Christians, forget the big outreaches for a minute. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do? Let's do some outreaches. Let's give three million hours of community service to the world. Okay, that's good. But what if we just started to treat our wives right? What if we just started to discipline our kids appropriately? What if we managed our finances in such a way that we weren't in debt? Just a thought. No. <laughs> Babe, give me some amens. I needed it. Thank you. Whew. Think about it. Yeah, let's go to the big outreach. That's awesome. But what if we just said, you know what? What, what? what do I need to do so when people look at the works in my life, they say, wow, there's something different about, about you. I, I, was, I was a valet for five years. Parked cars, great job. Loved it. Okay? Because I got to drive other people's really nice cars really fast in areas I probably should have been driving fast. But it was fun. Okay? And when I started working as a valet... The valet, this is no, no joke, like a valet went to get in a car and he got, gets out and he's like, I'm not parking that car. These people never tip. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, get in there. And I was like, oh, I know this song. And I start singing it. They're like, yeah, they're Christians. Christians tip horrible. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, man, they, they, they're horrible tippers. I thought, so then I started talking to, because we valeted for restaurants, I started talking to some of the waiters and waitresses and, and stuff. I'm like, oh, Christians are the worst tippers ever. They sit there blabbing, talking about Jesus this and Jesus that, and they, they bow their heads, and they'll even grab hands, and they'll pray over their meal, and then, then they'll leave, and they barely leave a buck. And I was like, uh, I'm not going to park a Christian's car either, you know? I was, I was like, yeah, those Christians, I'm Mormon, we're going to forget those guys, man. And I thought to myself, that is not the testimony of Jesus Christ. So listen to me. If you're going to sit at a restaurant with a bunch of your friends and talk about how good God has been in your life lately, can you leave a really big tip? If, you, if you're in the serving industry, you should have been jumping out of your seat right there. Like, thank you, Dylan. Awesome. Like, like Honestly. Now, we need to make sure our works are a witness of the church. We need to give people reasons to want to come to church. Are you with me? Be a good tipper. <laughs> Write that in your notes. But, you know, it's amazing to me sometimes because, honestly, if that's the view that people have of the church, but, but where does that come from? Where does that come from? Listen to me. It, 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 as leaders in the church, we should treat people with the utmost respect, not just on Sundays because we're an usher in everything we do. 
But I've been working in churches long enough to come to this conclusion that sometimes people that work in the church are some of the biggest jerks in the world. And I have authority to say that because I work in the church. And I'm just like, man. But as a church, man, we should give everybody just, man. Are you with me today? All right, well, let's move on. Her witness, her children, her husband, and her works. Let's look at her words real quickly. Her words real quickly. This woman understands two very key principles. The Bible says she opens her mouth with wisdom and kindness flows forth from her tongue. This is powerful. She understands two really key important elements that I believe we as the church, as the body of Christ, need to understand. And that is this. She understands the power of the tongue and she understands the power of wisdom. She understands that her words have power, and so much power do her words have that she makes sure she chooses them carefully, and she speaks forth wisdom. How powerful are words? Proverbs 18, 21. You probably know this one. Death and life are in the power of the thing, right? And those that love it will eat of its fruit. Man, you have the ability to create something or destroy something with your words. And this woman understands that. She understands that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Matthew 12, 36. Now, this is a scary verse. Write this one down. The Bible says that you will be held accountable for every idle word you speak. For women, that's a lot of words. That is a scary verse. You're going to be held up for every idle word you speak. Whatever comes out of your mouth, you're going to be held accountable for it. And think about how powerful words are. In the beginning, God said. He didn't take something in his hands. He spoke. And when he spoke, there it was. That's powerful. Uh, words are powerful, but words, words have the ability to destroy children or bring children up. They, they have the ability to, to, to cause them to, to advance in life or the ability to tear them down in life. Words are very powerful. I still remember. I was probably about eight years old. I was like my, my youngest daughter's age. And, um, and I was a little chunky uh, when I was younger. I know, it's hard to tell when you look at this chiseled body now, but I was. It, what's so funny? And I was a little bit chunky, and, and I, I was about eight years old. And I remember um, uh, that I would be made fun of um, when I was out on the basketball court, and, you know, some dudes would come up. And I'm, I was only eight, you know, and, and uh, my parents obviously didn't feed me a healthy diet. And, um, and I remember somebody's like, hey, you want a bra to wear under that jersey? Yeah, right, you feel, that, you feel my pain, right? I still remember this 31 years later. And I was like, yeah, you got one? I was kidding. Um, <laughs> I remember, I'll never forget this one. I remember we, uh, I was with my mom, and we were going to the bank, and, and we pull up to the bank drive-thru. This is back when the, the bank drive-thru, right? They didn't have the ATMs, right? And so we pull up, and I remember my mom does a transaction. All of a sudden, the lady leans down. I still remember, bad hair, bad makeup. She was an evil woman, and she leans down, and she goes, Would your little girl like a sucker? Yeah, she's no longer alive. But um, 
Those words, man, they were like, oh. I literally, for a minute, I was looking around. I was like, Mom, do I have a sister? Like, what? I was like, what's good? And I was like, oh, she did not. Like, but of course I shook my head and took the sucker. Come on, somebody. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about how powerful words are. When you think about Luke chapter 1. When Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, Elizabeth is pregnant, right? And Mary, Mary comes up and says hi to Elizabeth, and all of a sudden the baby jumps inside of Elizabeth because of the words. And at the sound of her voice, the baby leaped for joy. Words are powerful. This woman understands the power of her words, the power of her words. The power of her words have the ability to create something. I remember one of the saddest stories um, that I remember. I worked at the Boys and Girls Club. And in working at the Boys and Girls Club, um, there was this little girl named Nadia. And Nadia was new to the Boys and Girls Club. I'd worked there for several months. And she, uh, she, she comes in, and we were, we were talking with her. And, and I needed to know her last name, and so I, and I didn't know it. And I asked the person I worked with, I'm like, no, I don't remember her last name. What is it? She's new, you know. And, and so I was like, Nadia, hey, what's your last name? And she's like, my name is Nadia what the F-U-C-K. And I was like, uh, excuse me? Like, no, what's your last name? Nadia, what the F-U-C-K? I'm like, well, uh, how, how do you know that's your name? Well, because my parents are always yelling at me, Nadia, what the F-U-C-K? My heart broke. I was like, she had heard that so much over and over that she thought that was her full name, about seven years old. Because those words that have been spoken over time and time, Again, check out the screens here and check out how powerful one word can be or just changing a phrase. This woman understands the power of changing her words. Because when we change our words, we literally begin to change our world. 
When we change our words, we begin to change things around us. This woman not only works with her hands, not only gets up early and does all these things, but she understands that there is power in the spoken word and power in her confession. As the church of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand that our works are very powerful and we need to get to work. But after we've worked, when we begin to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, it begins to change somebody's world. It begins to change somebody's somebody's character. It begins to change somebody from the inside out because words are very powerful. Words are so powerful that she understands she needs to, number two, choose words of wisdom. She chooses her words carefully and she chooses wise words and kindness flows forth from her tongue. Listen to me. You can only do yourself and the circumstance and others damage by sitting back and talking about how bad the circumstance is, how ugly it is, and you're talking negatively and you're undermining everything. Listen to me. It affects the whole atmosphere around you. But when you begin to choose your words wisely, listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 24, 3, wisdom builds the house. She not only understands the power of words, she understands the power of wisdom. And she speaks forth that wisdom. Proverbs 15.1, this is one of the verses I've taught my girls, and I taught them in this version. A gentle answer turns anger away, but mean words stir up anger. Choose your words wisely. You have the ability to escalate a situation or you have the ability to downplay a situation. Women, church, we have the ability to create things with our words. We can either escalate situations or downplay situations. When we open our mouths, what is coming forth out of our mouth? I love verse 27. She understands the power of idle words and protects her family by not giving herself to idleness. Church, what are you speaking? As we wrap up Proverbs 31 and we look back at the journey we've been on for the last four weeks and we, we looked at the worth of the woman, we looked at the role that men play and we, we now looked at the works and now at the witness and the words. Where have you been challenged as an individual? Where have you been challenged as the church to step out from where you've been into what God is calling you to be? Listen to me, God is calling us into action. God is calling us to move forth from this place of learning about a Proverbs 31 church and becoming a Proverbs 31 church. One that knows how to work and one that knows how to proclaim and one that understands they're on the right path because they got witnesses around them saying, man, there's something different about Canvas Church. Man, there's something different about that group that meets at Mission Bay on a, on a Sunday morning. When they begin to say that, you know that you're on the right path. I am one proud father because I believe I have two amazing daughters, not just because I'm biased and because I think my kids are amazing. But when I sit down with the teachers of their school or when I talk with the principal, which happens often because we work with them and we provide stuff for them, and as I'm talking to them and they tell me about my daughters, man, it just brings joy to me. My oldest, my 10-year-old, Cara, the, the, the one that knows how to get money from the tooth fairy, for the last two months, she's been secretly taking her Bible to school and sharing 
her faith with a friend at recess. Not secretly from the school, because she can do whatever she wants at recess, but secretly from us, because she didn't want us to make a big deal out of it. So one day we're talking to her, and she calls, I think she calls it her secret disciple, her secret something, superstar student, come on somebody. <laughs> Ten years old, brings her Bible, takes it out, they sit under a tree. The only reason we found out about this is because she came home one day and she said, Dad, if I wanted to explain the Bible to somebody, where would I start? Ten years old. Which got my wife and I and the children's ministry thinking about where we're going with our children's ministry. We're not just going to teach them about Jesus. We're going to teach them to teach others about Jesus. So she's been taking this, this girl through it. And Cara says, do you have a Bible? And she says, no, I don't have a Bible. So Cara came home and said, Mom, Dad, can we, can we get her a Bible? And so yesterday we went to the, 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 the bookstore, the Christian bookstore, and Cara went and picked out the most expensive Bible known to man. <laughs> but how do you say no, right? I mean, she's buying a Bible for a friend. She's been discipling this 10-year-old for two months. Uh, what do you say, Right? She picks out this beautiful Bible, and this is the one. And so we bought it, and we're making her pay for a portion of it because she needs to understand the cost involved. And so she's given money to us, and, and she's taken that thing on Monday, and she's going to give it to this person. And, and I can't think of a prouder moment as a father. But you know what? That right there needs to be a picture of the church. Not a 10-year-old girl. But a 35-year-old man, a 37-year-old woman, a, somebody in their 40s that says, you know what, I've been sitting at church and I've been challenged this month. And i got to get to work. I need to change the way the world sees the church of Jesus Christ. And we need to get some more witnesses, not just in the house, but outside of the house. The power of our words. The power of our words. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.